Hey guys, welcome to episode 50 of A Wrestling Gal Podcast, providing you with the female perspective on all things wrestling. Join me, your host and wrestling enthusiast, Ella J. As today I am joined by one half of the woke queens, Debbie Keitel. Now let's chat. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to quickly say that today, July 16th, is one year of a wrestling gal officially since I released my very first episode with my good friend Samira all the way a year ago about the women's evolution and Samira's up-and-coming interview career in wrestling. Ugh, I can't believe it's been a full calendar year. A wrestling gal has just turned into, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just been a wild ride. And thank you for everyone who has been listening and supporting me. It means the world. And I can't say enough good words about all the amazing guests I have had on since. And I look forward to another year and many more to come with so many other amazing guests and stories and interviews and opinions. I'm so thankful for a wrestling gal. And I really feel like I finally found my true calling in life. Again, thank you so much. And I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful chat with Debbie that I am about to play for you guys right now. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm joined by one half of the woke queens and coffee enthusiast, Debbie Keitel. So how are you doing today? Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's not too bad here in Dublin and Ireland. It's a little wet outside, but we're we're getting through our current lockdown situation. It's actually same here. There was like a severe thunderstorm here last night in the US where I live, so that's weird. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so firstly, how have you stayed occupied during this whole quarantine? Oh, it's been, let, I'll be honest, it's been tons of ups and downs. You'll mm-hmm. have your good days and your bad days. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to work from home remotely. Oh. Um, so I've been occupied with my full-time job, but mm-hmm. also trying to stay active, you know, physically and mentally as well. Mm-hmm. So lots of reading, lots of exercise. What are some of your go-to exercises or workout routines like? Um, I would be a big weightlifter, but wow. I've started mm-hmm. doing cardio, which is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, I tend to do lots of kind of high intensity interval training um, or kind of heavy weightlifting. But with lockdown and everything, it's hard to, you know, it's so hard to kind of find any sort of uh, company that's shipping weights at the moment. Mm-hmm. So. I have to make do with my my four kilo dumbbells and my resistant bands. Now you actually used to be a power lifter, correct? I did indeed. Yeah, I still I still practice power lifting. I like li- lifting heavy, but I just wouldn't have the time or dedication to yeah. it anymore. I used to, mm-hmm. I was all in or nothing. So it's I used to train two day two twice a day, seven days a week, no real downtime. So. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't have the time for that anymore. (laughs) 
No, I completely understand that. <laughs> but something very interesting about you is that you actually used to live in New York as a TV host. So can you tell me more <laughs> about that and what exactly did you host? Sure, of course I can. Um, so, yeah, I think it was about, yeah, it was 2014. I just decided I'm just going to leave Ireland and I went over with no job no prospects of a job nowhere to live and I just kind of threw caution to the wind and I just decided that you know I'm just gonna do the best I can and I I studied media in college so I really wanted to kind of get more experience in that area specifically in tv and film so um I was in New York for about three weeks and I started panicking I was like oh no uh-huh. like I sent out so many CVs and no one was getting back to me. And then I applied for a, a job on Craigslist. And I was like, there's no way anyone has contacted <laughs> me back. This is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And a woman named Adriana, who works for Addy Media, contacted me back and wanted to meet me. So we went for coffee. And she's also um, European. She's from Switzerland. And we got on really, really well. And she hired me as a production assistant. And... Oh literally my first day was new year fashion week and you don't know terror horror <laughs> like oh, it. i can imagine oh my gosh i still was not i had no concept of google maps how to get around new york and um, i was just so used to some mm-hmm. like at home in ireland everyone's like we'll meet at location it's never a street or an avenue or mm-hmm. anything like that so trying to figure that out and when you realize that you're traveling mainly on trains and subways and then you can't get internet access you don't know where you're going yeah and it's it's so stressful because all the shows are on different locations and um I managed to get through the first half in your fashion week with not not too much hair loss <laughs> now, <laughs> uh midway through the week our our normal host um wasn't available she got caught up and I was pretty much on the runway and I had the camera in my hand because I was helping my my boss out mm-hmm. and she was like I need someone to shoot this interview and it was with Pete Wentz from Fall Out Boy <sighs> and I and I just panicked I was like I I don't know what to do I was in a green coat I was panicking I was just I looked so Irish oh my god and um, <laughs> she just literally put the microphone in my hand and said we're rolling and then I just like deer in headlights I was like um so do you like fashion <laughs> it was just it it was so nerve-wracking but he he was so sweet and he 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 almost got me through the interview but um and then from that moment we watched it back and she was like you're made for the camera you should be on camera so she helped me and she trained me and like honestly she just uh, pushed me well out of my comfort zone and yeah, and then I just ended up doing that for 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 the time I stayed in New York, mm-hmm. and that type of media is Addy Media started off on AOL, and then they would sell contact to the likes of Fashion TV, Huffington Post, and um, Buzz, all these different platforms. So um, yeah, I ended up doing lots of work in the fashion industry and working with some amazing people. Now I also saw you say that you uh, did some acting as well. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've done I when I was a kid, uh, my I was one of those kids that was forced to do every single activity possible. Uh, okay. And I kind of fell in love with acting and drama and all that kind of stuff. 
And I, I, I'd done a lot of theatre work. And then as I kind of got into college, I started to kind of think about acting again. And I did some extra work here and there. But, I mean, no parts, like, that are worth even mentioning. But, okay. um, yeah, it was fun while I was doing it. <laughs> Do you think this background in acting has helped you in any way kind of put over your character or performance in the ring? Oh, 100%. I mean... I mean, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, and I feel like my strength is being able to carry, you know, a great deal of emotion into my matches, whether that, you know, be within character or just my movements or expression or facials. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I genuinely think that it's it's really helped, you know, my progression. I definitely can see that too. You are so, I feel like you are one of those just organic characters who knows what she's doing and you always have the best facials. So I just wanted to tell you that for oh, sure. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, when I first started, um, I would be kind of in, you know, not throwaway tag matches, but, you know, mm-hmm. tag matches with more experienced people. So yes. that I would get kind of used to and being in front of a crowd and I spent a lot of time on the apron and you know I might come in and take the heat or I might come in and do a hot tag or something like that but I spent a lot of time on the apron and I realized like some of the biggest issues is when people are on the apron and they're not selling what's going on in the ring and they're not mm-hmm. they're not kind of you know reacting to what's happening in the ring so instead of just standing on the apron I used to kind of you know really show off my facials and react to everything that was happening as opposed to looking like I was just waiting there to be tagged mm-hmm. in, you know? Mm-hmm. So when anyone asked me about facials, they're like, oh, how did, you know, how did you get so good at it and reacting and stuff like that? And I'm like, well, when you spend as much time as I have on the apron mm-hmm. and you want to be recognized, you kind of learn, you know, there's there's ways of kind of, you know, being noticed and, you know, involving yourself in matches um, when you're not necessarily supposed to be, if that makes sense. It does, definitely does. Now, after you spent time in New York, you obviously moved back to Ireland to train at Fight Factory. But I am curious to know, was that where you actually developed and crafted your kind of Cruella DeVille-like character? Or how did you actually come up with your persona? Well, I it's a tough one. You see, when I first started off, I was doing this kind of... I like I started watching wrestling in the 90s. And I just... Yes. I loved that fashion and it was all coming back in and it was all it was kind of on trend at the time. So I was kind of doing this 90s kid kind of character thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it just like I have no connection. Like if I'm watching wrestling, I have no connection to someone that's just, you know, dresses in 90s clothes. You know, I feel True. like I need to mm-hmm. I need to be pulled in by something and it can't be just what they're wearing. Because like, how can you be a 90s kid? in the ring you know it's just what you're wearing Mm -hmm. so I kind of thought about it and I had like I'm obsessed with like Quentin Tarantino movies Mm -hmm. and Martin Scorsese movies and like Reservoir Dogs is one of my favorite movies and I just I love the idea of just being some sort of villain so um I decided one day that I just wasn't going to do that character anymore it wasn't as if I was on that many shows or like not a lot of people even notice that I switched gears and I just decided you know if I want to change characters I don't want to just you know oh hi I'm this this new character now mm-hmm. I want to kind of kind of kill the one I had so I created this video and I just you know in the video I put all my costumes from that 90s character into a suitcase and I threw it over into a, 
over a bridge and into a lake so it was gone forever and it was just kind of symbolic for anyone that kind of watched me up until that point but more so for me because I didn't I hate when somebody's doing something they commit to it and then they drop it mm-hmm. so I was like at least if people say oh well what happened and it's like oh well this happened you know <laughs> And it works for you because right now you are part of one of the most talented and innovative tag teams in the world right now as the woke queens who you've described as two bitches who think they're enlightened, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) But how has it actually been working with Valkyrie? And did you guys kind of have a natural chemistry at first or did it take time to get acquainted? Um, we definitely had different ideas. Um, of wrestling I think we'd both agree that I would be kind of more character based and promo based and she's like super talented technical in ring mm-hmm. type of wrestler and the two of us when we kind of re- kind of thought about it we were like oh maybe you know this is this does have legs maybe this isn't just going to be a throwaway tag maybe we can mm-hmm. honestly like you know grow from this and do something with it and I I genuinely think that we both bring out each other's strengths and Mm -hmm. you know she's helped me with my ring ability and I've helped her with her content with her promos with her character and stuff like that and I think we both bring out the best in each other and like I just think that like woe queens is just I don't know like spice girl vibes or something I don't know it was just one of those things that it just came out of nowhere and like (laughs) we didn't even think like we we started wrestling for pro wrestling eve and yes. we showed up that night and we were like well we will we do a dance because like we just we didn't even think that this would take off and the minute we we did that dance routine we were like okay yep i watched because- that <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were like okay we better like buckle up here because you know i think this is going to take off and like i think we were used on 13 ott shows mm-hmm. i think i can't i can't even count how many times we were used on eve and then the t- the two of us then debuted with icw and we were the first new roster members to have their actual entrance music played because they'd they'd normally worry about copyright and stuff like that mm-hmm. but because our entrance was such a big deal they allowed us to use Vu by alba so it was just all like crazy and then when the two of us won the eve tag team champions like we championships we just it's just unbelievable like neither of us thought that it would take off this much yeah now kayfabe wise is there a certain opponent or current person in wrestling who you think needs a little wake-up call or a little enlightening oh where do I start (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm only joking um I think right now with the current situations going on, I think everyone is just doing their best to educate themselves and to do better and to learn about issues as opposed to, you know, just jumping on a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all I can do is encourage people to to do better outside and inside of the ring. No, absolutely. I agree with that completely. And I feel like it works just outside of kayfabe, too. I feel like your gimmick, like woke, actually works in the real world as well. So definitely you you can tie in stuff real easily with your gimmick. I feel like it works very well. Thank you. (laughs) 
And like you mentioned, Pro Wrestling Eve, that was actually where I kind of saw you guys for the first time as the Woke Queens, where you defeated Mercedes Martinez and Laura DiMatteo to win the prestigious tag team titles in that tournament because they had been vacated, obviously. But can you tell me how you felt in that moment, especially after defeating two other amazingly talented ladies? Like, I cried, like, (laughs) in the (laughs) ring, like, within seconds. Um, I it was just one of those moments like since I was a kid I have been obsessed with tag team wrestling mm-hmm. and it's so so difficult for a woman to be you know even considered a tag team wrestler I mean there's so many thrown together tag teams yes. um, especially female ones so to be in a legitimate tag team and to win the tag team championships like that is my my life goal in wrestling so like that was just that just meant the world to me I was so emotional because it's so difficult to explain to promoters well listen I believe in tag team wrestling I want to be a tag team wrestler I love don't get me wrong I absolutely love wrestling as a singles competitor Mm -hmm. but I just I followed tag team wrestling and the energy and just everything knowing someone has your back it was just oh I like I was just so emotional especially being in the ring competing with Mercedes Martinez and yeah. Laura Mateo, like two of the absolute best in America, mm-hmm. Europe, worldwide. It was just unbelievable to know that that faith, you know, there was so much faith put in us, you know. Absolutely. Now, in terms of tag team matches, what opponents would you say have pushed or challenged you and Valkyrie the most in the ring? Um, I would definitely, definitely have to say uh, Ginny and Kanji. That is like the my favorite match of all time in my entire wrestling career because everything just gelled. Everything just like I mm-hmm. I have never I've never experienced indie wrestling until that match. I think up until that point I was kind of comfortable. I knew, you know, I had a rough idea as to who I was and who the Woke Queens were, but I feel like those two girls are two of the best in the UK mm-hmm. and yes. just pushed me on my limits to a point where I, I was like, I don't know if I can do this, <laughs> you know, and I, I think it's great to be pulled out of your comfort zone because that's when I realized, okay, I can go, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You definitely can. And I feel like Eve is just a great promotion overall, not only because it's female centered but just the overall like atmosphere at least from a viewer watching is just so surreal and like empowering and enlightening no pun intended but like (laughs) I just can't describe it's different but how would you describe the overall atmosphere of Eve as someone who's competed there and actually been there um a hot box (laughs) because there is no air conditioning no I want to I think like I enjoy eve so much the fans there's nobody like it but the funny thing is about eve is that they're not necessarily all wrestling fans they're just people coming Mm -hmm. to experience something new and i think eve was always and is very much experience based like you're you don't know what you're going to see and i think that's something that eve does so well because you can have wrestling comedy burlesque it's just it's a Mm -hmm. show and I just think, I mean, it's just so friendly and the atmosphere is always amazing. And I mean, the shows are literally sellouts every month and sometimes twice a month. And I just think it 
Eve is an experience. I think that's the best way to sum it up. That is definitely a way to sum it up. It's always, every time I watch from the U.S. watching, like, U.K., it's just, you can't describe it. Like you said, it's like an experience. So I definitely agree with that. Now, the woke queens have a very distinct look, like we kind of touched upon earlier. But in terms of yours, you always have that perfected dramatic eyeliner going on. So I need you to spill some of your makeup secrets to me. (laughs) Well, when I... When I first moved to New York, I panicked because I was so used to using a specific eyeliner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used the Rimmel Long Lasting Extravaganza. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's 100% black is the shade. And <laughs> it's literally been my go-to since I was 15 or 16. So when I first got to New York, I panicked. I was like, oh, my God, I cannot find this anywhere. Uh-huh. And I think it was a – I think – I think I don't know was it a Dwayne Reed or CVS or something like that that I managed to find one in Mm -hmm. and then I used to get my family to post it over to me like a month in advance in case I run out Mm -hmm. and then every time I'd go to Boston I'd take regular trips up to Boston to meet friends I always I always looked in every chemist pharmacy to see if I could find it um because Sephora didn't have it but um that's, yeah okay. like that's crazy what I know. the amount of times that I would queue up in Sephora to be told oh no we don't have that <laughs> well that's so, dedication um, though <laughs> yeah I just think if if it works you know why change mm-hmm. it so mm-hmm. I, I use the same eyeliner it's quick and it's easy and you know I'm 31 now and I've been doing that eyeliner since I was 16 so I've had plenty of practice <laughs> now another distinct aspect of your character is obviously your coffee which you're either carrying to the ring or is in your promo videos but how does a woke queen take her coffee what brew do you have oh it kind of differs if Mm. um if we're going on a kind of regular basis i'd always just get a black americano okay um if i um fancy something you know, a little sweeter, I'll go for maybe a vanilla latte or a cappuccino or something like that. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty plain when it comes to my coffee. I'll always take a black Americano over anything. But one thing I do miss about New York is having cream in my coffee because they just, you cannot get cream in your coffee. They don't have it over there? Really? No. If I go into a Starbucks and I say, can I get cream in my coffee? They put a can of whipped cream in front of me. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no. And then you have to probably mix it and all that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. And it's just it's not appetizing looking. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> now, switching gears here a little bit. Something I really love and admire about you is your ability to get your character over simply by Twitter videos. <laughs> And I'm mainly talking about earlier this year when you kind of became a conspiracy theorist for over-the-top wrestling in search for a CT flexor. (laughs) So can you tell me more about the creative process and production behind these cinematic short videos? Oh, well, first of all, they they wouldn't be cinematic if it wasn't for our personal videographer, Sean Hudson. You can find him on Twitter, videos by Sean. He's just, he's... You know, the two of us got on so well and we're both big fans of the Real Housewives of New York. And we just bond over, you know, bitchy TV and stuff like that. (laughs) So when I go to him with my visions, I mean, he takes it to 11. He just, he gets it. 
And like he pushes myself and Valkyrie so much to do things that we'd normally never think of. Um, production wise, like there's so location, the props, everything is like a huge team effort. Mm-hmm. And like some of those promos, I mean, oh my god, uh, the the bus promo, the notorious <laughs> bus promo, I have never feared for being kicked off a bus so much in my life. <laughs> Um, we're such chancers, you know, we'd rather do it and apologize later. Mm-hmm. But um, the effort, the thought, everything that goes in behind those those promos, nobody sees. Um, but there's so much work that goes into them. And I genuinely think it's the reason why people know who we are. Now, was you falling in that bush intentional or was that by accident? That was 100% by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> It was so difficult because it was so cold. We weren't supposed yeah. to be on location shooting. I knew I knew that if we had to shoot it again, we wouldn't get it. So, like, everything in that promo was pretty much one take. Ah, that's impressive. One take, though. I feel like it worked. It just created a whole, like, authentic comedy moment there. You falling in that bush is so funny. <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you. Now, I know one of your favorite wrestlers of all time is X-Pac, who you've mm-hmm. gladly talked about before in past interviews. So, but can you tell me what draws you to him specifically? Um, I think when, like now, obviously, it's it's the wrestling ability, the mm-hmm. character, everything changing, you know, like Madonna, just constantly evolving and changing. And I think um, when I was younger, I was just drawn to him because, you know, my brothers loved Kane and The Undertaker and they were so big and I was like, oh, that's so boring. And uh, now I don't think that. But back then as a kid, I was like, oh, they're they're so big. I don't know. And then I see someone like X-Pac. Well, it would have been one, two, three kid at the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, he's so cool. He's got long hair. He's <laughs> short, small. And it was just appealing. And um, yeah, I just I genuinely think that out of all any wrestler that I could literally sit and watch his entire wrestling catalog over and over and it just would not tire out it would not bore me at all yeah definitely that attitude era was just I know you were a big fan of Goldust and Mick Foley too for like their yeah. characters and stuff and I can definitely see you being drawn to characters and now you're focusing like more in on your character so I can definitely yeah. see the translation from being inspired to them into your current day work by the way Oh, thank you. (laughs) And now I've also heard you say that you kind of have this philosophy after your time in New York to work to live instead of living to work, you've said it as. So can you tell me more about that and what exactly working to live means to you instead of just, you know, living to work? Well, I think the biggest learning experience I got from New York, when I moved to New York, I worked seven days a week, every single Mm -hmm. week. Mm-hmm. for almost two years I had two to three jobs going at the exact same time I did not have any downtime and it was all because I kept saying to myself I never know if I'll get this again I never mm-hmm. know if I'll have these opportunities again and I don't know you know where the world is going to take me so I want to get as much experience here as possible and I realized that I kind of spent every moment of my life up until that point living to work, constantly feeling pressure to have a job, you know, whether I liked it or not, and to just, you know, 
I felt like having a job meant that you were something or somebody. And it was mm-hmm. just a really toxic mentality that I kind of got myself into. I just wasn't enjoying anything. I didn't allow myself to have any downtime. Even when I was powerlifting, that became work. And I didn't even enjoy it anymore. I was just doing it because I felt like I was somebody. And it was just a really negative mentality that I kind of got myself into. And when I came back from New York, it was kind of the first time I took a breather because I was like, all right, well, trying to work in film and TV in Ireland is like trying to say you want to be a princess. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I need to just kind of stop everything and figure out, you know, what it is I want out of life. And that's when I realized that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're doing in work because that shouldn't define you. What defines you is, you know, what makes you happy? You know, what do you love? What do you, you know, what what is it that you want out of life? And I just kind of thought I'd rather work and have experiences and moments and, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah, just, yeah, just clips of life that like, you know, you enjoyed as opposed to you know I used to think oh I'm gonna do all this work to get a promotion and it was like and then what mm-hmm. you get a promotion and then you're just working more to for the next and it's just a toxic mentality of no downtime you're not enjoying anything you're just you're angry and you're bitter so when I came home I was like I just want to I just want to go back to that moment where I just moved to New York with no money and no job that was such a risky thing to do and it was so mm-hmm. unlike I was like I need that feeling again. I need to feel alive again and get out of that kind of corporate mindset. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to go be a wrestler for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, I'm just going to train. If I love it, it will just be great exercise. I'll get to meet people. I might do a show one day. Little did I know that this would turn into something Mm -hmm. as big as it did and whilst I still kind of keep my foot in the corporate world and I still, you know, I still hold down a full time job, mm-hmm. that full time job is to fund experiences and, you know, a, a life that I want, you know, after I retire and stuff like that. But I just think it's important to create memories. So I'm not so focused on, you know, the project that I need to get in or anything like that. I'm more so focused on, you know, where am I going to visit next week? Where am I going to travel to next? What show am I going to go see? It's just that's kind of where my focus is now is just creating a life of experience as opposed to a life of just work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about taking that step and moving back home to become a wrestler. You actually recently had your three year anniversary of your first pro wrestling match, which is incredible. (laughs) <laughs> um, I believe it was last month you said, but is there anything you would say in the last few years or so that you either learned about yourself or what is the, has been the biggest change for you yourself over the last few years of your in-ring career? What have you learned the most since starting out? I think the biggest thing I've learned is that it's okay if people don't like you. Mm-hmm. That was always the big struggle for me. And it's okay, you know, to mess up in front of other people. Because that is something that I'd never normally want anyone to see is, you know, no, none of us ever want people to see our flaws. And Mm -hmm. I think wrestling exposes you physically and mentally in good ways and bad ways. And I think one thing I learned about myself is that, you know, I I kind of learned how to be confident because that's something I've always struggled with. 
mm-hmm. and I've always kind of hid in the background I, I'm not I'm not one to be kind of in the spotlight or anything like that outside of the ring and I think wrestling kind of gave me the confidence you know to use my voice and you know be loud be crazy and just you know bring more of myself out Definitely. And I can, I definitely can relate to like not having that confidence, but then you find something you love and just gradually becoming more confident in yourself and not being afraid to use your voice. So I definitely get that. And now lastly, once this pandemic and kind of the world goes back to semi-normal and wrestling comes back, what are some of your goals you want to achieve? Oh, it's, it's so crazy to be asked that question because I just never would have imagined any mm-hmm. of this for myself. I feel like I've I've genuinely accomplished everything that I ever sought out to do and more. And one thing I would love to do when this is all over is I would love to go back to Japan mm-hmm. um, and have a proper, you know, run out there. Um, I'd love to finally debut in America. Um, there's There's so many things I want to do. But I think this lockdown has kind of made me realize that, you know, our our social media is so powerful. Definitely. And I I feel like I need to do more in in that area and, you know, bring awareness and, you know, use, as I said earlier, use my voice inside the ring and outside of the ring. And, you know, I think wrestling is for everyone. And I think going forward that that's my mentality. And yeah, like there's so many things I want to do in wrestling, mm-hmm. but I'm, I've learned to just take it as it comes because I genuinely would not have expected any of this stuff. I don't think any of us did. It's been yeah. every month there is something I don't think any of us expected. Yeah. And, you know, at least you have that positive mindset to where you like you not letting it stop you and you're still uh, ambitious, if that makes sense. For sure. I think all the downtime has allowed everyone's everyone's bodies to heal. We've mm-hmm. educated ourselves watching tapes, watching interviews and promos and kind of we've all had time to like, you know, perfect our craft in terms of promos and creating content and stuff like that. And I think if anything, I feel I, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I feel like in a way I think there was a time there where I think I genuinely think wrestling needed a break from wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I think when we all come back from this, you know, we're going to be bigger, faster, stronger. You know, that fire is there again for mm-hmm. anyone that kind of felt a bit weighed down by wrestling. I feel everyone is just raring to go. And I think that um, everyone has had time to think about what they want to do going forward. And I think it's going to be incredible once this is all over. Definitely. And I'm excited to see people are I'm excited to see these new innovative ways people are going to use wrestling and come up with new characters and concepts. So for sure, I'm excited too to get back to it. But before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you on your social medias? I can, of course. Just before I kind of go into my social medias and stuff like that, I would just like for anyone that follows my career or anything like that right now we're currently in a massive massive pandemic but there's also mm-hmm. lots of issues going on at the moment so if you haven't already can I just ask everyone to just go to blacklivesmatters.ca uh, or or d.co 
and just look at the petitions, look at the resources, look at all the stories um, that everyone's sharing. And, you know, keep awareness for Black Lives Matters. It's so mm-hmm. important right now. I'm very vocal on my social media. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Debbie Cartel. At the moment, I'm not sharing much wrestling content because I think there's bigger issues in the world. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, tweet me. I'm always very active with my fans and stuff like that. Tweet me, DM me. You can find me on Instagram at uh, Debbie Cartel official i think it is oh sorry no it's the debbie cartel sorry i get them mixed up okay and um you can also find my email as well which is debbie cartel official at gmail.com email me tweet me message me and i love to stay active and interactive with my fans well thank you so much for chatting with me debbie it was a lot of fun thank you so much for having me